You're listening to the City Hope Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Today, I want to bring you uh, this topic that Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with, with, with accusations. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. In fact, I wanted to open up uh, today's message by just telling you a personal story. As many of you know, I'm pretty vulnerable from up here, so I, 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 I like to share stories that uh, not just show how big, strong faith of a man that I am. Oftentimes I share stories that I'm not so proud of, and today is one of those stories, and so I hope that you kind of laugh and, uh, and, and engage with it. In fact, you, y'all out there this morning, you're all gonna you're all gonna engage, right? Yeah, all right. So it's okay to laugh, it's okay to loosen up, it's okay to yell amen or something every once in a while. You know, just let me know everything's all right with you out there. Uh, but uh, I, I wanted to tell you a, a, a personal story um, about me and my wife. So me and my wife Emily, we don't fight a lot, but you know it's already good. Everybody's like, oh, what is this? <laughs> we don't fight a lot, but when we do fight. Like, we make up for lost time. You know what I'm talking about, anybody? Like, it's like, all of a sudden, we just pull out the skeletons in the closet or whatever. Like, we're just... And, and so one, one day, um, we're driving to a doctor's appointment uh, in, in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, it, it's already... It, it, let me just say this. We're, we're on a time crunch, and we're running late, and it's not my fault. And so... Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I'm not going to say whose fault it is, but it, it was not my fault. And, uh, and, and Emily was helping me navigate. And uh, so we're in St. Louis and it's rush hour traffic and all this different stuff. And I, it's, we missed one exit. We missed two exits. I'm telling you, I'm not so proud of myself. The third exit, like something just snapped in me, you know, like I was just <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, and, I, and I'm not proud of it. But I mean, I banged on the steering wheel. I'm like, please, we got to get there. And we're late. And, and, I, and I may have accelerated a little bit faster than I should have and pulled off <laughs> the exit and give me the phone, you know, that, that type of thing. And I, yeah, I was, I was very aggravated. We had a, a pretty big fight. And obviously, we, we work things out. We're still together. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, I mean, we love each other. And, but yeah, we work things out. But what you don't know is that for the next three or four days afterwards, not only was the fight bad, but I experienced the fiery darts of accusation that came from the enemy. One right after the other. Example. The enemy, days after the fight, was telling me, you can't be a pastor and act like that. You're you're not a man of God. You're unworthy to preach. You're filthy. You're undeserving. You're a bad example to everybody around you. And I'm telling you, yeah, the fight was bad, but the accusations afterwards were worse. And it affected me days, days and days later. And it literally just spiraled for me. And now I'm just feeling guilty. And I'm experiencing the fiery darts of accusation. Here's what I want you to understand. 
that the voices that I heard were not, it was not the voice of my heavenly father who loves me. It was the voice of the enemy who hates me, who wants to take me down every day. And I share that story with you. It's a pretty vulnerable story for me because I just want to ask, how many of you feel that way? That it's, it's like, so we talked about last week, right? Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. So here's what Satan did in my situation. He attacked, first, he attacked my mind with lies to where he said, in the moment, he said, no, it's okay to let out your anger and frustration. Emily needs to know how angry you are and how, how she needs to be better. She, this, immediately in the situation, you see Satan is attacking my mind with lies. It's okay for you to let out your anger. It's okay for you to be mad. He's lying to me. But then guess what? The next step, you know what he does? He accuses my heart. And so he lies to me and says that it's okay. But after the situation, after the sin is all said and done, now he's accusing me. You should have never done that. (laughs) I can't believe you did that. You say you're a man of God, right? And I just wonder how many of you have ever been in that situation where the enemy has lied to you about something. He said, it's okay for you to go and do that. It's okay for you to have this. It's okay for you to, 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 to act in that way. It's okay for you to be angry. It's okay for you to be hateful. And then as soon as you do it, all of a sudden, he flips the situation on you and he starts accusing you, saying that, how does a man or a woman of God act like that? I just wonder if some of us have heard those voices of, you're not worthy or you're not good enough, or you're not lovable, or you're not trustworthy. And it's accusations. It's the fiery darts of accusations that the enemy is throwing. It, can I tell you, those accusations come from our enemy, who is the accuser. And we see that. In fact, my prayer for you today really is this, as I was preparing this message, Isaiah chapter 54. I've just prayed this over you this week. No weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence Every voice raised up to accuse you. And so I want to teach you how to do this today. I want to teach you that when the enemy comes to accuse you and throws the fiery darts of accusation at you, I want to teach you how you can silence those thoughts, how you can silence what the enemy has to say. But in order to teach you how to, how to battle this, I need you to understand first who the accuser is. I need you to understand who Satan is, who, how he is the accuser. In fact, in, John cha- or, or, sorry, in Revelation chapter 12, John talks about the accuser who is the devil. He says this, Then I have heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. This word accuser is the Greek word, if you want to take some notes, it's the Greek word diabolos, which is mentioned 35 different times in the New Testament when it comes to the devil. It quite literally means adversary or accuser. You'll see it in those two different ways in Scripture. What's so interesting about this is that, um, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is that before you ever sin, 
the devil wants to lie to you, right? The devil wants to say, go ahead. What you're doing is okay. He, he, wants, to say, he wants you to, <laughs> the devil wanted me to bang on the steering wheel and accelerate and jump off the exit and grab the phone. Like the devil is like, yeah, you deserve it. But then afterwards he changes it. And he changes it to, wow, I can't believe you did that. You're unworthy, you're unlovable, you're undeserving. You see, I want you to, I want you to get this this morning, that before you sin, the devil wants to say it's no big deal. He wants to get you to sin. He wants to say no one's going to find out. He wants, he wants to tell you, well, everybody does it. You deserve it. And it's only just this once. And you, you probably won't get caught, right? And he, and he wants to lie to you before you sin. But I'm, I want to talk to you today about how after you sin, after you do that very thing, how he throws the darts of accusation and he says, you're nothing. I'm, I, I want to speak to the person today who battles the voice of, how, how could God ever love me? How could God ever love me? I want to speak to the person who says, well, I've... The, they get the fiery darts accusation from the enemy that says your life's ruined, that you're pathetic, that you've gone too far. I want to talk to you today about the accuser. Because before you sin, the devil lies. That's what we talked about last week. But after you sin, he accuses. In fact, if you're taking notes with us this morning, you can write it down like this, that when the devil talks to you about God, he lies. However... Take a look at this next point. When the devil talks to you about you, he accuses. So he wants to lie about God and he wants to accuse you. And we're talking about how to overcome the voice of the accuser. And so today, to show you that, I want to I give you a scripture. We're going to break down an Old Testament passage uh, from the book of Zechariah. Zechariah uh, is, is this powerful prophetic book. It's a very personal book as well. And we see that he has this vision to where he's setting, Zechariah has a vision where he's setting in a courtroom. He's setting in this big courtroom. And so if you can just imagine with me, I don't know if you ever had jury duty, just <laughs> probably not the greatest thing to imagine. You're probably not all wanting to think about jury duty today. But if you've ever had jury, I mean, just imagine setting in a courtroom with me. If you never had jury duty, maybe imagine like Judge Judy or something, you know, like, like put yourself in that place. They, imagine this big courtroom where there's this, there's this judge, there's the defendant. In fact, I want to show you, he, he has this vision of these three people and it plays an important role. They're all sitting in this courtroom. So imagine this big courtroom where God is up there and God is the judge. This is the vision that he has. If God is the judge. And then there's Joshua, who's the high priest. Joshua is the defendant in this case. He's the one being prosecuted here. And then Satan is also there. He sees Satan in the vision. And Satan is the, the prosecutor, also known as the accuser, right? So he's a, accusing Joshua. Of, um, it, it, we, we see that he's, Satan is going to try to prove Joshua's guilt in this case. What's interesting about this story is that it seems like Satan has a case. That when, we, when, you read, when you read the story, you see that Joshua, the high priest's robe, the robe that he was wearing, was very dirty. If you know anything about Old Testament times, the high priest was supposed to be upkept 
especially his robe. His robe was to be clean. It was to be spotless. That's what he was supposed to be. However, in the courtroom, Joshua here, the high priest, is dirty. And perhaps we see that maybe Satan has a case against Joshua because Joshua is supposed to be clean. Let's take a look at this story. Zechariah chapter 3, if you're with us. Uh, verse 1, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to walk all the way through this story. It says this. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. I wanted to stop right here and talk about the angel of the Lord here. Because when we see the angel of the Lord, most likely, and what most scholars believe is that anytime it's mentioned the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, most scholars believe that that is Jesus himself. So that when you see this picture of the angel of the Lord, most scholars believe that's most likely Christ. And you say, well, how in the world is Christ in the Old Testament? Well, I want to teach you a word that you would learn in seminary. It's Christophene, Christophene. And that, it just, that word just simply it means it's an appearance of Christ in the Bible in a non-physical form. So Christ shows up as the angel of the Lord here in a non-physical form. And there's many different spots in the Old Testament where we see this idea of, of Christ in the Old Testament. I'll give you one popular one that you'll probably know in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? They get thrown in the fiery furnace. There's three guys thrown in the furnace. But the Bible says that when they look in the furnace, there's a fourth man standing there. Who is that fourth man? Well, it's the angel of the Lord, which most scholars believe would be Jesus, right? In that form. And so we see that. We see the same thing in this case. So we see all of a sudden we, we, we've got God as the judge. We, we've, got, we've got Joshua here. And then we've got Satan as the accuser. And then the angel of the Lord is also standing before. And I want you to see what happens in this story. It says, and Satan was standing at his right side to do what? To accuse him, right? That's what Satan does. That's what he wants to do to you, by the way. He wants to accuse you. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua, it fills us in how Joshua looks. It says, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes and stood before the angel. So obviously Joshua here is on the wrong side of the case. Joshua should be clean. His robe should be clean, but he's dirty when he should be clean. And he's standing before God, dirty and guilty. And we see that picture. And so I just want you to picture that with me. Him standing before God, dirty and guilty. To help me help you picture that, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been somewhere where you feel like you were underdressed? <laughs> you ever been somewhere and you were just totally underdressed? So yeah, when I went to the wedding yesterday, my, my sister got married yesterday. Fabulous time. Well, when I showed up in my shorts and my t-shirt before I changed into my tux, I was severely underdressed and I felt like I did not belong, everybody, you know, and, and, and yeah, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. There's been situations where um, I, I, I've, I've been in a meeting and I just asked like, you know, what, what do I wear to this, what do I wear to lunch or what do I wear to this meeting? And, and I just wear what you normally wear. You know, I show up in my jeans and a t-shirt and everybody's in a suit and tie, you know, and it's like, I'm severely underdressed and I am very uncomfortable. You know what it's like to feel uncomfortable and, and, and kind of be underdressed sometimes? And, and, and you just kind of judge it as your situation. But yeah, I, it just imagine though, 
Imagine that feeling of being underdressed. Imagine that feeling of, of, of just feeling like you didn't fit in. However, now imagine that feeling and imagine standing in front of God. Whoa, right? Wow. I mean, can you imagine? Not only are you underdressed, but now you're standing before God. This is the picture that we get from this story, right? Now you're standing before God with the stain of your sin all over you. Picture that with me. God is holy, and you're in your filthy clothes. And then imagine the prosecutor, Satan, pitching his case against you. Now his case for Joshua was that he's in filthy clothes and he's supposed to be clean. But can I tell you that Satan has a case for each and every one of us too? I mean, what if Satan saw your life story? What would he say in a case against you? <laughs> Maybe he'd say, well, here we have so-and-so who used to steal all the time. Or we have so-and-so who used to take my name and used to take your name, God, in vain constantly. Or you know, they used to lie all the time. Or they, they constantly yelled at their kids. Or they had an affair. Or they got divorced. Or they're addicted to pornography. Or they're addicted to drugs and alcohol. Don't, can you just imagine Satan using your case, your life story, against you? On and on. The devil wants you to feel dirty, ashamed, unworthy. That's what he does. He accuses you day in and day out. And I know that's a depressing thing to think of, but that's constantly, that's what he wants to do. He wants to throw you under the bus every time he gets a chance. He wants, to, he wants you to know that you're unworthy. But I wanted to encourage you this morning. And before we look at the rest of this story, I want to remind you of who Jesus is. So if the devil is your accuser, you know who Jesus is? Jesus is your advocate. <laughs> he's, the one, he's the one that's there for you. In fact, look at what, look at, look at what 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, everybody. You know what? God knew that we were going to sin. God knew that we were going to screw some things up. And I'm thankful that he gave us an advocate who not only is he our advocate, but he pleads our case before the father, before the judge in heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that every time the devil tries to accuse me, I'm thankful that every time the devil tries to throw me under the bus, that I have an advocate who's talking to the Father on my behalf. And he's for me. I'm telling you, there's this one, there's the devil, there's Satan who accuses over and over again. But we have the Son of God as our advocate. The Bible says that he's our friend. He's the one who pitches our case. He defends us whenever the enemy attacks. And I'm telling you, that's what we see in this story. The devil constantly hurls accusations at Joshua, but Jesus comes to Joshua's case as the defense. Jesus comes for the defense. Look at what it says here. 
Or I missed the best part of this last scripture. He's Jesus Christ, the one in righteousness. But look at what it says here in the story. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off. Look, look at what Jesus says. This is Jesus to, jo to, to the ones around him, to the devil who is accusing him of having these filthy clothes on. Jesus says, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. You know what Jesus is saying here? You know what the, 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 the story, the, this is a big painting of a picture of our life, everybody. You know what he's trying to say? Yes, you might be dirty. Yes, you might show up guilty. Yes, you might show up unworthy and unloved. But I'm taking your sin and I'm putting fine garments on you. I am clothing you with my cloak of righteousness. No longer do you have to be called by those things. No long, longer do you have to be guilty or unworthy. No, I'm going to put my fine garments on you. And I'm telling you, just as he said that to Joshua, he's saying it to you today. He wants to bless you with something that you can't earn and you don't deserve. Not because you're good, but it's because of how good he is. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, take off your filthy clothes. Put on the robe of righteousness that Jesus has. See that he's forgiven you. Walk in a new light. Can I tell you the really cool thing about this story and so many Old Testament stories is the fact that they're not just in the Old Testament, but we see the same idea all throughout Scripture. And so there's this story here, but then there's a story in the New Testament that Jesus tells. Jesus tells us this story in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. Jesus talks about this father had two sons. One son honored him, the other son wanted his inheritance. And the Bible talks about this son, how one son took all of his inheritance and he went out and he didn't live according to his father's rules. And so he went out and he lived this wild life. I mean, he partied hard. He was smoking the funny stuff, everybody. <laughs> like, like, I mean, he was, he was playing truth or dare and only choosing dare because he just wanted to live on the edge, everybody. Like, that, that's the type. Like, he was, that's who he was. He just squandered everything that his father gave him. And one day, he wakes up and he realizes that he's messed up, <laughs> that he had everything in the world and he messed it all away. And he wakes up and he realizes he just, what, what, what did I do? And I tell you, I tell you this story from Zechariah and I tell you this, this same story about the prodigal son because some of you, this is exactly where you are right now. God has blessed you beyond belief. He's entrusted you with so many things. But you've took those very things and you've squandered them all away. You took those things and <laughs> the things that he's blessed you with and you've, you thought, you, you really thought that man, if I could just make this much money 
Or if I could just have this car, or if I could just have this house, or if I could have be, just be in this relationship with this person, or if I could just do these things, then I would be happy. And you've got there. <laughs> and you've realized, wow, it's so unfulfilling. And you've, you've literally took every blessing that God has given you, and you've just squandered it away. I thought this was what I wanted. But it's so far from where you wanted to be. And I'm telling you, so many people are at that point right now. And that's where the prodigal son was. He had, every, he had the, all of the inheritance. And he still wasn't where he wanted to be. He was hurting because of his sin. And scripture says that he finally came to his senses and realized... <laughs> While, he, while he's eating the food with the pigs, everybody, he realizes that even his father's servants are treated better than him. And so he came to his senses and thought, maybe I should go home. But can I tell you, when he started coming back to town, can, can, you, just, can you just imagine going back to the man that gave you your entire inheritance that you've just squandered, and now you're going back, what, how do you think you would feel? Horrible, right? I'm not, I'm not excited about going back to this guy. And what I love about this story is that as he was coming back to town, he had no idea that his father wasn't mad. <laughs> Instead, the Bible describes a picture of the father waiting on him, basically on the edge of his seat, waiting for his son to come back home. And the Bible says that when the father saw the son, he ran towards his son. And you know what happened? Even though his son was filthy and dirty and eating with the pigs, <laughs> the father took off his own robe, everybody. And he put his robe on his filthy son. And you know what happened? When the father looked at his son... He didn't just see the residue of sin that was on him. Instead, he saw the outward righteousness of his cloak. And he said, the story ends, it says, that you were always a son to me. Now, come and let's celebrate. And they celebrate him being home. I share that story with you because it's the same picture we see in this Old Testament passage. The same picture. The priest was guilty. He had filthy clothes. But the angel of the Lord cries out, take off your filthy clothes and put on the fine garments that I've given you. See that I've taken your sin away. Can I just encourage you, church, that in the middle of your shame, God's not laughing at you. He's not up from heaven just, <laughs> they squandered all the things that I gave them so long. No, that's... He's running to you. We have this picture of our heavenly father running after us. That's how much he cares for you and I. Look at how this story continues. It says, then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him. While the angel of the Lord stood by, the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. Now, think about this. Think about if you're, if you're Jesus... And this high priest comes in filthy clothes. 
Now you've forgiven him, but what do you think you're going to do with him? What kind of charge do you think you're going to give this man? Obviously, he couldn't, do the, he couldn't put on the right clothes in the first place. So what do you think he's going to do? What do you think Jesus is going to do? Can I tell you, I know what I would have done, or like if I was in charge, it was like, I would have been, you know what, Joshua, after your, for, after your poor behavior, we're going to put you on one year of probation, and then we're going to see how you can do, and then maybe you can earn your way back up, you know, <laughs> like, I, or maybe, maybe it's like, well, you know, we, I, I've literally heard this before in churches, like, well, we can't have someone of your character here serving, leading. I, it, literally, and that's, that's what we think. But do you know what Jesus says to him? Look, that, that's not at all. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. If you walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house. Not, oh, you're going to have, we're going we're gonna to try, we're going to have a, a, a test run for, for two or three years and you're going to be on. No, you're going to govern my house and you will take charge of my courts and I will give you a place among the people standing here. You know what the angel ordered? The angel said, remove those filthy clothes. Jesus says, put on these holy garments that I give you and return to the temple and keep on serving the Lord. Keep going. Keep on serving the Lord. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but some of you, you've been under the accusations, the fiery darts of the accusations from the enemy. The enemy has been saying to you, you're no good. You've screwed up too many things. There's no, there's no way that you could serve in the youth group. There's no way that you could serve the kids. There's no way that you could greet people at the door. There's no way you could play your instrument on stage. They don't know who you are. The enemy has been throwing this stuff at you. And I'm here to tell you today, I... Can I, even church online people, the enemy has thrown accusations at you. The enemy has said, you've been gone for far too long. You've missed too many Sundays of church to even come back in person. Can I tell you, it's a lie. God says, no, God says, get back to the temple. God says, keep loving people, keep serving people. Keep it up. Go back to the temple. Take care of my house. Keep on loving others. Keep on leading people to Jesus. Keep on lifting my name in worship. He doesn't say, oh, well, I can't believe you showed up in court dirty today and you're not going to be able to come back to church for another six months. No. He says, go back to the temple and keep serving the Lord. I just want to encourage you today because I, I, I know, I know what it's like. I'm telling you, even as your pastor throughout the week, <laughs> there are moments when I feel like I can't do this this weekend. Like I, I mean, the fiery darts of accusation are after me. And I'm telling you, because some of you, you've been, you've been here for a while now and, and you've, been, you've been on the edge of your seat thinking, well, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll jump in. Maybe I'll get involved. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe, maybe I'll help serve here. And you haven't because of the fiery darts of the enemy. I'm telling you, God is telling you, go back to his house. Don't listen to the accusations and serve the Lord. It's time. So I wanted to, I wanted to leave you with something this morning, something really practical. And I thought, how, how can I leave this message super practical to you this morning. And what I wanted to give you is that, you know, I, I was thinking about this because when you do something wrong, when the enemy lies to you and you commit the sin, right? You have something on the end, you have this inner something that just 
tells you that that's not right, right? Oftentimes we call it, we, it's the Holy Spirit to us, right? We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That's our inner something. But can I tell you, I, I want you to learn to distinguish between the Holy Spirit's conviction and Satan's accusations. Because they're two totally different things. Because Satan wants to take the conviction that you're getting from the Holy Spirit and turn it into an accusation against you. And I want to explain to you really quick. They're very different things. In fact, if you want to take some notes, I'd write some of these things down. I'm just going to read them from the examples that I have uh, on my notes. But here's the difference. When Satan accuses you, it drives you away from God. Every time Satan accuses you, it drives you away from God. However, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it actually leads you closer to God. So Satan wants to accuse you and drive you away while the Holy Spirit wants to convict you and lead you closer to him. Here's another one. Satan wants to accuse you and Satan wants to make you feel guilty. He wants to make you feel shameful. He wants to make you dirty. He wants to make you distant. But you know what the Holy Spirit will do? On the contrary of feeling guilty and shame and dirty, the Holy Spirit wants to convict you and lead you to repentance. You know why? Because when you repent, on the other side of repentance, there's hope. There's hope for tomorrow. That you don't have to feel guilty anymore. That you don't have to have that shame. Instead, you have hope for tomorrow. You see, Satan accuses and he wants you to feel guilty. Satan wants you to experience regret and remorse, but the Holy Spirit convicts you. And the Holy Spirit just wants to draw you closer to God and to his grace and to his presence. You see, conviction, the Holy Spirit's conviction leads you to confess your sins. You know why? Because the Bible says that when you confess your sins, that our God is faithful to forgive you. In fact, scripture literally says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whenever the spirit convicts, we step into God. We step into his grace, not away. So when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we step into God because he's just that good. In fact, I thought, how, how can I leave it with you guys? And I, I wanted to leave it with, with this point here. The devil knows your name but he calls you by your sin. You know, on the contrary, God knows your sin, but he still calls you by name. Can I tell you, God knows the worst thing that you've ever done, and he still calls you by name. It's how good our God is. He puts on his robe of righteousness. He covers your sin, but the devil knows your name and wants to call you by your sin. In fact, I love the way that Paul describes this whole process about how, how do we win the battle against the evil one? Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this, for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Instead, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And guess what, everybody? How do we defeat our spiritual enemy? We defeat him by taking captive every thought and we make it obedient 
to Christ. You know what that means? That means when the enemy starts lying to you, accusing you, telling you what you're not, you take captive every thought and you make it obedient to God's word. Remember, we talked about this last week. How we have a weapon, the sword of the spirit is our only offensive weapon, the inspired word of God. That when we hear the accusations of the enemy, we fight back. We, we, make, them, we make those accusations submit and be obedient to God's word. You say, well, Pastor Noah, what does that look like? Well, you know what that looks like? When the enemy comes to you this week and says, you know what? <laughs> the enemy throws a fiery dart at you and says, oh, you're a failure. Or you should be ashamed of yourself. You know what? No, I take that thought. I make it, I take that thought captive and I make it obedient to God's word. So when, so when the enemy says I'm a failure, you know what? I say, no, scripture teaches me that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You know, when I go through troubling times and it seems like God is trying to punish me, when, the Satan, when Satan throws a fiery dart at me and says, well, God is just punishing you for acting like that. You know what? I take that thought and I, I take it captive and I make it obedient to God's word. And I say, you know what, devil? My father is a good God. Scripture says that he gives me good gifts and that this attack is from the evil one. I quote scriptures that say, what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use for good. I quote scripture that say, consider it pure joy that when I face trials of many kind, I know that the testing of my faith develops perseverance. When the enemy throws a fiery dart at me and says, you know, after what you did, God wouldn't come through for you. You're in, when the enemy says, oh, you're in such big trouble. No, I quote scriptures that say, I will rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. The Lord is near. I quote scriptures that say, I will not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, I make my requests known to God. And the God of peace, the God of peace that transcends all understanding will guard my heart in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you during the week when I get the, fiery darts at me. <laughs> this one's personal. When God, or when, when Satan accuses me and tells me that God isn't there, when Satan accuses me and says he's disappointed in me, when Satan says he doesn't love you anymore, I quote scriptures that say, no, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. I quote scriptures that say, my God will never leave me. My God will never forsake me. My God is for me. My God is fighting for my victory. I quote those scriptures. In fact, church, can I just leave you with a scripture today? Maybe this is your scripture on the way out. No weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. It's my prayer for you this week is that you would learn that you would be able to silence every voice raised against you. 
that you would be able to say, you know what, I am not who the devil accuses me of. I am not who the devil says I am. I am not what the devil said that I did. I am who Christ says I am. And he says, I'm a chosen child of God, that I belong to him. But the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. And guess what? I'm going to start acting like it this week. I'm going to start, I'm going to decide that I'm not going to listen to the accusations of the enemy, that when the enemy accuses me, I'm going to capture it and I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. I'm going to make it obedient to his word. I'm going to fight back with the sword of the spirit because I'm not who the enemy accuses me to be. Instead, I'm thankful that God does know my sin. But when I come to confess my sins to him, when I come into repentance with him, I'm thankful that he doesn't call me by my sin anymore, but he calls me by name. It's how good our God is. Can I pray with you this morning? Lord, I thank you that you don't call us by our sin. Father, even when we deserve it, God, I, I'm thankful that you still call us by name. So Father, today I pray for every person in this room who's experienced the fiery darts of our spiritual enemy. Lord, the darts of accusation that has come their way. God, I speak to, to every negative accusation in their life. God, I say it has no place there. Father, instead, we replace those accusations with the truth of your word. And so, Father, today, for every person in here who is dirty, <laughs> who's in the filthy clothes, Father, I pray that you would just begin to put your garment over them. Lord, cover their sin as we've seen in the story in Zechariah. God, cover their sin as we see in the story of the prodigal son. Father, I believe that today that there are people coming home, <laughs> that they're on their way home, that Lord, even though that they've squandered everything that you've given them up to this point, they're deciding, they're turning around and they said, you know what? I have a better place in my father's house. I'm gonna turn back to my father. And I pray right now that they would see you running towards them. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. So Lord, when the accusations come our way, Lord, I pray that you would convict us. Lord, that you would just show us the right way instead of us feeling the accusations from the enemy. Lord, we are who you say we are. And we decide today that we are not going to listen to our spiritual enemy. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for doing a great work in this room right now. Father, I thank you for touching people's lives right now in this moment. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. With your heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this room today and you say you've been battling with a spiritual enemy and you need some freedom from that. Well, I'm telling you, what we've talked about today all comes from a relationship with Jesus. It's hard to fight the spiritual enemy when you don't have a spiritual victor in your life. <laughs> 
And so if that's you in this room today and you say, I, I, I need to get my life right with the Lord. I need to get my life right with Jesus. If that's you in this room today, we never end a service without giving you this opportunity. Remember, scripture says that the same power that raised, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. So today we're gonna just pray a prayer all together that asks that same spirit to live inside of us. In fact, would you pray this with me? Church, because we all believe it, would you just repeat this after me? Say this, say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this and mean it, say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer?